0: All right. Did we hand out the notes for tonight? Are those passed out? Did anybody get those? Yes or no? No. Nah, that's okay. They're overrated. Ushers, can you bring those down and pass those out, please? Okay, we're not officially in a series yet, right now, so we have notes for you. The ushers will bring those down, um, and and we will go over that. I want to be want to be really a little bit more practical tonight. Not that we're not practical. But specifically for our church and what we want to do, and uh, particularly in the, in, the, in the next little bit, we've been talking a lot about, um, about the fall and the harvest and all of that. And I want us to be prepared for that and just share a few thoughts. They'll apply uh, many different ways, but um, I do want us to get that. We know the verse, and I'll refer back to it later, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where no vision is, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I want to read a few verses here out of Genesis. If you look in the notes, the, 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 the verses are there. We have a lot of verses to read, so let's get going tonight. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. It says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Now, it wasn't a dream like... Like we would have, right? Um, how many of you ever had a weird dream? That's usually a sign that you ate something heavy before you went to bed, right? And so uh, this is not that kind of dream. It's a this dream was a vision that God gave to him of something that was going to come to pass in his life. He tells the dream: "For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose." And also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. That means it bowed down. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars meet. Uh, "...made obeisance unto me. They bowed to him." And this time it's not just his brothers that are being pictured here. It is also his mother and his father. And he told it his father, and his to his brethren. His father understood what it was. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, "...what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth?" And his brother envied him, but his father observed the saying. Let's pray this evening. Father, I pray you would bless our time together, this time that we have, and help us and encourage us as we look at our lives and our purpose and your will, but not just that, Lord, but what you would like us to accomplish for you and what you would like our church to accomplish to reach our city and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned, this is going to be different. There are different times and seasons of the year, right? And each season has its unique differences and opportunity. I, for one, I, for one, my least favorite time of the year is summer. Is there anybody else like that? Okay, I, I just, I like the fall and then and you know we talk about the cool weather, but let's be real here. Anything in California is not really cool, okay? Compared to the rest of the world. But that's my time of year. I, that's my favorite. I like all of it, but that's my favorite. We just came through our summer, and by the way, we've had a great summer. A lot of a lot of new people. We typically don't have this. I mean, we do. we constantly have visitors and. And new people, but this summer it just seems like we've had a lot. And and God's been working and people being saved and, and, and baptisms and the whole thing. And we had a really great summer. And I am looking forward, though, to the fall. The fall is just a great time for us when we are able to get into our community and reach a lot of people. And so I want to share a few thoughts for us tonight to help us as we prepare for it. In this passage, God gives Joseph a dream. It was a dream of something that God was going to ultimately accomplish or do in his, in his life. His family understood what it meant, and it caused problems to them. You know, his brothers understood, like, uh, you know, we're going to bow down to you. You're going to be our, you know, you're going to be our, our boss. He wasn't the eldest son. He wasn't the firstborn, so that was not really his place. Um, but his God, God had plans for him. His family understood what it meant. His father understood. And by the way, his father favored him over the other children. That was also part of the problem. But it led to hatred from his brothers. And that led them to a not easy path. And you know the story, how they were going to kill him, and they threw him in a pit. And then uh, one of them, I believe it was Reuben, if I'm not mistaken, talked them out of killing him, and they, you know, and he was going to try to get him released. And while he was away, they sold him as a slave. And he's taken into, um, he's taken into uh, uh, Egypt, and he ends up in Potiphar's house. And God blesses him, and God takes care of him. And he actually is running everything in Potiphar's house and then Potiphar's wife, okay? I won't say what kind of lady she was, but she didn't sweep with the broom. She flew it. And uh, she's trying to 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 be immoral with him, and he's trying to be right, and uh, so she lies about him, and he gets thrown into jail. While he's in the prison, he ends up running the prison. The, 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 the warden just basically trusted him with everything, and he took care of everything and just, you know. And then, uh, and then he, he, he helps a couple of guys, and they're going to talk to the king, uh, to, to Pharaoh for him, and it doesn't happen. And it just seems like as time is rolling on, and he's languishing in jail, that everything is going to go ill for him. And then Pharaoh has a dream, and no one can interpret it. And then one of the guys whose dreams that Joseph had interpreted in prison tells Pharaoh. Pharaoh brings him in, out of prison, jail. He tells what the dream is. And before he walks out that day, he is second in command in Egypt. And he's given the job of helping them to get through this this, uh, 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 drought and famine they're going to get through. The point is that this dream was from God. And God used it. You know how Joseph saved his family. He saved Egypt and family by being able to put food aside. And they came and bought to him. And he has a little contest with his brothers, and we won't go into that. But everything that happened came to pass. His brothers came, and they were bowing down to him because they didn't realize who he was. And so God used this. They used everything he did to help people. But it was God's vision for his life. The vision came from God. God told him what he was to do and what God wanted to use him for. Years later, Joseph figured out why all of this happened. Look at the verses there from Genesis chapter 50. Joseph's father dies, and now his brothers, who had sold him into slavery and really wanted to kill him, they get nervous. Dad's gone. Now if Joseph wants to exact his revenge, he can. And they're kind of nervous. Look at what Joseph says and look at the verses in Genesis chapter 50. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father. They just had a journey to bury his father, and they come back, verse 15, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil that we did unto him. In other words, he's going to pay us back. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father did command thee. Before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. They didn't even go talk to him. They sent somebody to say, Hey, by the way, Joseph, just remember, you know, Dad said, Forgive us. And Joseph cries because that was not his intentions at all. Look at verse 18. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring it to pass this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. You know what Joseph said? He said, you may have had bad intentions in this whole thing, but I understand that God put all this together to put me in the place where I am so that I could save lives and really save your lives, help your lives. Joseph saw what his dream did. I think you have it in your notes there. Joseph followed that dream, and as he did so, he was able to make an impact in the lives of thousands of individuals, and especially his family. Do you understand that? Joseph saw the dream. He saw everything he had to go through to get to the fulfillment of the dream, and he said it was worth it, in a sense, because God placed me here so that we can accomplish much and make an impact in people's lives. Let me say this. Everybody needs a vision for their life. You see, Joseph was able to make it through all that he went through because there was something that God wanted him to accomplish. Something God wanted him to do. You think about history. Men have accomplished much throughout the years because they've had a dream. You can look at any form of technology that we use today, but behind it was somebody that had a dream at one time of making that a reality, and they took the measures to make sure that they did. We could give many illustrations. But every church, this is in your notes as well, needs a vision for their church. And every Christian needs a vision for their life. You see, life isn't just about doing what we do. Life isn't just about getting up and going to work and making it through the day and getting home and taking it easy and then getting up and repeating the process and getting paid on Friday and paying our bills and just going from day to day to week to week to year to year. By the way, none of those things are wrong and they're all pretty good unless you want to be living on the streets. But there's more to life than that. God wants to accomplish more in your life. And we have to have a vision. And by that, I mean something more than a vision for your personal life. You need a vision for your spiritual life. You do. See, that is the reason why some people are more successful secularly than they are spiritually. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with your job or your business or whatever you're doing being successful at it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you're successful at and you're not successful spiritually, you've not fulfilled God's vision for your life. You've not. You're not doing anything of any spiritual significance. I'm not against secular work and success, but it should not be more vital and important than the spiritual. How can God use you in the church? Have you ever thought about that? All of us has went through that process. When I walked into church as a young man, a high school dropout and not in college, and trying to figure out things in my life, I was just like, I I need to get this. I need to learn the Bible, and I need to figure out what's going on in my life. And after about six months of that, <clears throat> God started helping me figure some things out. It was time to take the next step. God, what do you want me to do? And I just volunteered for everything. And I got involved. And God led me through these things. How can God use you and your family? By the way, there's, and I'm not against it, don't get me wrong. But, there, you know, most people think, well, you know, I'm a good father, I'm a good mother if I take my kids out to a, some theme park. If we go on vacation, if we do this kind of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. But can I just tell you something? That's not the vision for your family. You can take your kids everywhere. Take them to ball games. Take them to this. Take them to another. But if there's not a spiritual component, and if not this, well, not, let me just back up because that doesn't sound good. If, if, if the spiritual component is not the most important, then all the rest of it's not, not, not worth much. Have a vision for your family. How could God use you in this world? What does God want you to do to make a spiritual impact? We just celebrated 35 years of ministry. I'm thankful. You guys, you know, you did your old thing for my 10 years. But the fact of the matter is, this church isn't here because of my vision. It's here because of God's vision through Pastor Esposito. God used him. God gave him a vision back when he was in in Bible college on his bus route, and he didn't know how that was going to end up, and it ended up coming to Long Beach, his hometown. Someone's got to have a vision for what they can do, and by the way, I'm thankful for staff and church family that picks up the vision and says, let's keep going, and let's take it to a greater place. Remember in the early days of the church, we were interviewed by the newspaper because we were reaching the gangbangers and all this different stuff going on. It was crazy stuff. Most of you would not have come to church in that day unless you were willing to fight and you could duck bullets, just to be real honest with you. And, and they came and they interviewed him, and he was talking about what was going on. I don't remember the article story. It was something about a miracle in Long Beach. And basically, the key thing he said in the article was I, his goal for the church was to see lives changed. That's more than, oh, let's just have a church. Let's just show up. Why don't we do something to impact? Let me give you from some thoughts. I want to give you two. I want to give you some some thoughts from Joseph's story, and then I just want to be super practical about what we're doing this fall and how we can be involved. First of all, I want to give you principles of a vision, okay? Everybody talks about vision. I get it. But we need a spiritual vision. We need a vision for, for God's, God's, God's plan and God's passion and God's purpose to reach this world. And how are you going to fit in? Because all of us are to fit in. Let me give you some thoughts. Letter A in your vision leads to achievements. Vision leads to achievements. Or let me say this. I could actually even backtrack a little. Vision should lead to achievement. If all you have is a vision and you do nothing with it, then all you had was a dream and you woke up and it was gone. But vision, if we tie into what God wants, it will lead us to achievement. Think of everything that Joseph went through. And he went through it for a reason. What gets us through the hard times? I'm telling you what it is. It's when you have a vision of what God wants to do. Look at the little thought there. Without a clear vision, nothing, will be accomplished You know, we think stuff just happens on accident. Well, let me just give me a shot and see what happens. I mean, you don't have a stated goal, you don't have a stated what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to do, you're then just, you're just playing around. By the way, you can apply that to any area of your life. I want to have a great marriage, I want to have a great family, I want to have a great business or whatever it is, and I want to have a great ministry, whatever that is, serving God, whatever my portion is, and that's all you think and you don't have any plan behind it, it's not going to happen. Not just that it has happened. You have to have God in this. You have to see exactly what God wants. Vision has to be seen in the mind before it becomes a reality. And I'll say this, we may not understand everything. I was here in the early days, and to be honest with you, in the early days, if you would have told us 35 years from there, we would have been here, I would have said, you're out of your mind. But we're here today. But we followed the vision that we had, and God gave the parameters. Are you tied into our church's vision? Our vision is to get this gospel to the world. Our vision is to train up And and laborers to go out into the field and reach people and to keep the next generation on board. That's it. We want to reach everybody in our city, we want to reach everybody in our world, and we want to reach the young people growing up in our church. That's it. You say that doesn't seem like much. That's everything. We do that, we'll be just fine. We've done it to a certain extent, but I don't want us to sit back on what we've done and say, "It's been 35 years, how wonderful." No, 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 we're just getting started. We are just getting started. We have so much we want to accomplish, and I hope that you're in with it. Do you have a vision for God what God wants you specifically to do for Him? By the way, you young people have been polluted by others, and and you have no spiritual goals in your life, and you're just doing your own thing, and again, again, I get it, if you're working all that, but what's the spiritual? What does God want you to do? How are you serving Him? How can you make an impact? What is your vision for the kind of marriage that you want? Say, well, I've got a marriage that's not going very well right now. Get a new vision. It didn't go over very well. I didn't say get a new spouse. I said get a new vision. Okay, I got a new vision, and she has a name. That's not what we're talking about. You know, everything can be better if God's in it. You say, well, I have this dream for my marriage. Is it a spiritual dream? Probably won't work. What's your dream for your family? What do you want? One of the things as a young person, when I did start serving God, I'm like, now I, now I get it and I see it, and I have an opportunity to have the, the kind of marriage that would honor God and the kind of family that would honor God, and I was actually excited about it. When you look around the world, and most marriages and most families are train wrecks, but with God, you can have a better vision. Secondly, oh, I'm sorry, is there a spiritual vision for your life? By the way, let me say this. Spiritual vision should be more than just showing up to church. And I want you to show up to church. That's a start. But there's more to it. Okay? This isn't a football game. Where you just go and sit in the stands and eat hot dogs and nachos and watch what's going on. Okay? We're here to be motivated and energized to get out there and do something. B, vision must come from God. It was not something that Joseph conjured up. God gave them. Now, where do we get ours? God's vision for our lives is birthed in his word. It's birthed in his word. That's where we get our marching orders. That's where we get our power. That's where we get our motives. That's where we get everything. And if we are not spending time with God, we are not going to have the right vision. I think some of us struggle with having a spiritual vision because other than coming to church, we have nothing else that's spiritual in our lives. Not going to happen. And so it has to come from God. God has a specific vision for you. We've already mentioned what I want us to do in our church. And by the way, I'll say this. I got so many other plans, and I don't know if they'll ever come through. Okay, I want to get I wanna we wanna get another at least one or two more bus routes going. Brother Bird's got a plan for 10 rest homes. We're in five. Filipinos, we're gonna take one. That's gonna be six. Joseph's class, you seven. Okay? I want us to start some type of Vietnamese or or a Korean ministry. They're everywhere. Say, I don't speak Vietnamese. I don't speak Korean. Now I've eaten their food, it's pretty good. Okay? But God's got to bring people. We've got to get, and I've got other things that I have, and I won't tell you about it. I drove by something the other day. I'm like, man, we need that. Praying for someone to give it to us, but it probably won't happen. Letter C, vision will come with difficulties. Joseph didn't have this vision like, I'm going to be in charge of my brothers. Yay, two weeks later it happened. No, years later, after almost being killed, after being a slave, after being accused, after being in prison, after being let down, now it happened. We have to fight through the difficulties. What kind of difficulties do we have? People, right? People. I like people, most of them, some of them, okay? But you know, people can, people can be get in the way. How many know what I'm talking about? His brothers got in the way, right? I mean, Potiphar's wife got in the way. There's always something there. And by the way, that doesn't. By, I'll throw this out here so you understand what I'm saying. That do, that doesn't give us an excuse to be mean to people at all. There's no excuse. If someone's not a Christian and they don't like the fact that we're Christians and they say things about it, you know why they say it? they're not a Christian? Don't be mean. Well, I just, no one talks to me like that. Well, get over it. Okay, be a good testimony. Problems, problems. You know what everybody wants. You know, I would do all these different things if if. If everything was just smooth sailing, don't, no, no, no. Who was it? Um, was it Hudson Taylor? They sent, some, the, they, they sent some missionaries in to go to him, and they're like, hey, we have some guys that will come help, but, you know, they want to find a place where there's a, it's easy to get to. He goes, if you're sending guys that want an easy route to get there, I don't want them. I want a guy that will go somewhere if there's no route at all. But we want the easy path. Life's not like that. How many of you understand that? Letter D, vision becomes clearer with time. Joseph's family understood it. Joseph's brothers and his parents understood it. Now, they didn't understand the dynamics of how it was going to play out, but they got the gist of it. But it became clearer as time went on. Remember, Pastor used to give the illustration, and back when he used to give it, Polaroids weren't popular. They've made a comeback, right? You take the little picture, comes out, you know, and then it looks foggy, and then they look like, you know, A Bigfoot, and then next thing you know, it clears up and you can see a person. That's kind of how it is with God's will and vision. You kind of know what's going on there, but the longer you're at it, the more clearer it gets. Understand this. If you do not follow God's vision for your life, then you will follow somebody else's or your own. People have accomplished great things and fun things because they were, they were motivated by someone else. There was a young man a uh, hundred years ago, and he was, he, as he was growing up as a young boy and a young teenager, he was very unhealthy, had a, had a lot of things. The doctors were working with him. At his school, I mean, we're talking about in the 20s, and, in the school there was going to be a guy that was giving a speech that, that day on, on being healthier. And this young man went, and this guy talked for an hour in their public school about, um, about how you can be healthy and, and exercising and all these different things. And that young man walked out and said, that's what I want to do with my life. And he did. How many of you ever heard, no, you're a young type, you probably, Jack LaLanne, how many of you heard the guy? I think he lived to be like 100, so whatever he did, it worked. Okay, we ought to get his book and figure it out. He said that, night, that day changed his life as a young man. Because someone motivated it to give his life to being health, healthy. And that was his whole thing. Okay? And that's great. Good for him. But, but God wants a spiritual one for you. And if you're not finding out from God what he... Spe- now, you don't need the specifics when it comes to serving him, soul winning, and reaching this world. It's there. You don't need, you don't, you don't need to figure out this. God want me to have a spiritual family that, that's serving God. It's there. But the specifics, you need that. And if we don't get it from God, somebody else will give it to us. There is no guarantee of success when you do that. What? You follow someone else's vision or your own vision. In fact, it usually leads to failure. Yeah. Well, it didn't lead for failure for some. Okay, then, then, then read the next one. And any type of success you have if you follow the wrong vision will be more secular than spiritual. I, I gave the story, and I don't even remember her name. Um. I, I, I gave it about a year ago. There was a young lady on one of these uh, uh, sitcoms of the 80s. I forget her name. She was a young girl in one of these sitcoms, family sitcoms. And she, um, she was a Christian. And, and why she was filming that, she was very young, probably maybe in her late teens. And she was going to church. And someone preached about reaching the world and giving to the world and sacrificing to reach people for Christ. And she said, I'm going to give up everything and I'm going, to, I'm going to start reaching the world. This young lady, she had to be more than 18. She had her own condo. She had a big bank account. And she made plans to start offloading that and figuring out how to reach this world. Until some other Hollywood Christians, if there's such a thing, got a hold of her and told her that was dumb. And so she forsook her plans. That girl does nothing for God now. Someone else talked her out of it. Hey, don't let someone talk you out of what God wants. And then lastly, letter E, vision must be tied to others and not self. And not self. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Understand this, the, the, the selfish life is a miserable life. It is. If you're married, that marriage isn't about you. It's about your spouse. That's a tough one, right? Well, what's in it for me? Uh, What's in it for them? If If you've served them and you're living for them and the marriage is about making them happy, you know what always happens? You're a lot more happier. That didn't go over well. Let's move on. Parents, it's about your children. Well, you know, I always had the one kids and then you're out hanging with your single buddies all day long. Grow up. No one liked that one. Okay, you had kids. You know, anybody can be a father, but it takes more to be a dad. Dad's involved. Okay, here we go. If your vision for your life is all about how it helps you, you're going to be frustrated, and you're going to be unfulfilled. All of that to say this. Let me talk to you secondly about make preparations for the fall. Make preparations. That was just a general thing on vision and doing everything that you should. Now, I want to be a little practical in the last few minutes that we have here, and then we'll let you go, okay? So, you should find out what God wants for you. By the way, everybody, your goal should be God's will. That's it. You young people, well, you know, my friend said I should be a, you know, this. And then you go to college... And you get that degree and you become like 80% of the people in this country that get degrees and they don't work in what they got degrees for because their friends said that would be cool. We don't want that. Find out what God wants for you. Most people never see their vision come to pass. And here's the point. Because they never prepare or put effort in. That's it. Look at this verse. I love this verse. Proverbs. The desire of the slothful killeth him. It doesn't mean he has a desire and he dies, okay? It frustrates him. It's causing pain and and frustration and a lack of satisfaction in his life. The desire that he has. What's a desire? Something they want to accomplish. Something they want to do. Something they want to be a part of. Some desire. Something they want to attain. It kills a slothful person. Why? For his hands refuse to labor. Oh, everybody wants to have a dream. No one wants to do anything to make it happen. Okay? You know, well, pastor, I'll give to missions. Great. Why don't you show up for soul winning? No, why? Well, I, I had a guy one time. He came to my office, and he didn't go to our church. His church didn't have a baptistry, and I don't know. He just showed up in my office. We were talking. This is years ago. and He wanted to get baptized here, and then we were just talking. He goes, you know, I don't do this soul winning thing. I just give money so other people can do it. And I figured, well, he doesn't go to our church anyhow. Just let me lay it out there for him. I said, that makes no difference at all. You can't pay your way out of this stuff. God wants you to be a soul winner. Um, and it went over about as well as that just did right there. But that's the problem. We don't, we, we want things. We, we want, a, we want a, marriage, a great marriage. We want a great family. We want God to use us. We, we want to have a career where we're fulfilled. And we want to be spiritually right but we're not willing to put the effort in. And so you know what happens? That desire, which is a good desire, it kills you because you're not willing to take the necessary steps. That's very important. Ask yourself, how am I going to be involved in what God wants me to do in harvesting? We call fall harvest time. fact of the matter is we're supposed to be out there harvesting all the time. Look at John chapter 4, verse 34 and 35. Jesus saith unto them, his disciples, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He says, that's why I'm here. And then he kind of tells us what it is and how it's going to get done. Verse 35, say not ye, there are four months, and then har- cometh harvest, like a, a farmer would. They plant, and it's like, you know, we're four months out from, from, from getting the fruit. Um. Then, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the field, for they are white already unto harvest. We know what else Jesus said later on, right? He said, pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. So look at the picture. You, you plant, you throw seed, it grows, it's, it's ready to be harvested and there's nobody to go out there and do the harvesting. Remember that video we used to show at missions, the harvest. How many remember that? Where the little boy he tells a story, true story about uh, his his dad was his dad was a farmer and his dad taught him everything about farming and. And one day his dad, I believe, had a heart attack and died. And his mom and his two younger brothers, I think, I don't know how many were there, were left to themselves. And it was about harvest time. And they're like, we, we, we don't know how we're going to harvest this. We can't afford to hire us. What are we going to do? And all of the neighbors in the city showed up on harvest day. Every single one of them. They all had their machines. And they harvested the field for them. That field wasn't going to harvest itself. And Jesus said, there are people out there. They're ready. But you know what we need? Laborers. Why don't you get a vision of God using you to help someone else? Sometimes we sow seed. I understand that. But we also need to, to also harvest those that have been, that, the seed that has been sown. How do we do that? Be involved in soul winning and passing out tracts. We have tracks there. Always have a handful. Maybe make it your goal. I'm gonna pass out one. I'm gonna invite someone to church every single day. We have people here every single week that are visitors. Some of them are like so-and-so invited me. But you know what a lot of them is? I got, I got, I got one on my door. I found one on here. By the way, this is a this is a um, commercial break. Don't put them on people's windshield blades. Are you with me? People, that's irritating. How many of you have ever got one of those on a you know, you go to a store or something. I had a guy call me one time and says, You're, somebody from your church put a track on my windshield wiper blade and they broke it. I'm like, okay. It's like, yeah, I have a classic Mustang. I said, well, that's what you get for owning a Ford, right? I mean, Come on. But it's, don't do that. That's free. Um, we don't want to. But pass them out. Be involved in serving. We have so many things to do. So how can we be ready for the fall to prepare and be part of the vision to reach our city specifically? Letter A, let's get settled into our fall routine. Right? You know, it's funny. I, I maybe I may, I'm just weird. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just, I like to be super scheduled in my life, you know? This time of year we do this, 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 and our family and our church and all that. And so summer comes, I'm excited. We lay out all the summer programs, and then we do the summer programs. It's like, all right, family vacation, let's get that. Let's do that. We're done. It's like, summer's over, yes. Anybody else like that? I mean, I was excited when it started, but once I get back from vacation, I'm like, it's over. Let's move on with our lives. Summer's over. I like summer, but I don't like the, the lack of routine and the lack of everybody's everywhere and all that. We're in fall now, and, and, and school has started if you have children, so you've got to get back in that routine or else it's going to mess you up. This is profound. I don't know if it's scriptural, but it's profound. A lot of our problems are schedule problems. It is. Pastor Esposito used to always say it. Some of you struggle because you you keep drug dealer hours. You say, man, I I have trouble getting up early. Well, what time do you go to bed? Two? Well, I wouldn't get up either. Okay? It's like, you say, how do I solve that? Here's what you do. Go to bed early. Get up early one morning, even if you went to bed at two. And then the next night, around nine o'clock, you're going to be tired. Go to bed. Okay? And I know, Summer, your kids have been staying up. They're in school now. Our teachers asked me to say this. No, they didn't, but I'm saying it for them. Public service announcement. They want your kids to come to school rested and not loaded up with sugar. Okay, Let's, let's watch out for that, too. Get settled into it. You have to have a schedule. Okay? It can be a struggle. I get it. Homework, soul winning, activities, sporting events. I understand all that. By the way, husbands and wives, you need to have a schedule, too. You know, you, sometimes husbands and wives, the reason you're, you're struggling with each other or the fires went out is because you, you lost the matches. You're so busy with the children, you don't have time for each other. Have a weekly date night. Put that in your schedule. Whatever you got to do, but have a schedule. Letter B, commit to being involved in our church fall calendar. We have so many different things going on. And, um, and the fall is just a great time. Certain things we're doing, I think I just listed them here for you. Our ministry workers training. By the way, if you serve at all in any ministry, that's all of us. That's kind of our required once a year. We, we start at 11 o'clock, we'll be done at 12:15, and then we'll feed you lunch. But, but, but it's our one year, once, a, once a year time thing to get on board, be together, have a little training, and move on. We Our October soul winning. Uh, uh, it's October 7th. I'm really excited about that. We've never really done it this way. We're bringing, bringing Mike Ray in. Listen, all of us can learn and be better at sharing our faith. And so let's be at that and be excited about it and have an opportunity to use what we're learning. We have our fall program. By the way, if you're in a Sunday school class, get behind what they're doing. Friend day's already coming. I don't know where I was at. I was with somebody Like a a month ago, we were out, I don't know if we were out knocking doors or whatever, and someone's like, they're already inviting people for Friend Day. I'm like, man, we haven't even printed up the cards yet. You know, we don't have the little buttons, you know, ask me about November 5th, okay? They're already getting people set up for Friend. My wife, she was talking to someone on the phone, and they're like, you know, all right, hey, Friend Day's coming and all that stuff. Let's get involved. That's a great day to bring people. We have so many people in our church uh, and out in ministry even who were reached on Friend Day. We have a bunch of different fall activities, and we don't just do those to do those. We do those so we can have time together as a church family and encourage new people. And then let letter see. go out of your way to help us reach people. You know, some churches, and I'm thankful our church doesn't have that, you know, our thought is, you know, that's the pastor and staff's job. No, no, it's our job, it's our job because we're Christians, not because we're staff. And it's your job because you're a Christian, and that's how it works. The stuff I'm doing as a pastor, not all of it, but the, the reaching and the soul winning and the serving, I did all that before I, long before I ever worked at a church because I was a Christian. And so get on board. They ex- you, know what's, you know what's great? They expect church staff, new people expect church staff to be kind to them. And, you know, to, to well, you're the pastor. You have to say hello and all that, Right? But you know, what, it, you know what's, we still do it, by the way, you know what's impactful when church members are like that? And by the way, one of the things I get from most of the people that come to our church, they, they all, almost to a person, they say, your church was very warm, welcoming, and friendly. Keep it up. Keep it up. We have to keep reaching people. Get to know the new people. Well, how do I know who's new? Here we go, radical concept. You ready? You don't know who they are. But they may have been to church before. They're new because you don't know who they are. You might as well go up and say hi to them, get to know their name. And so I am very excited about what God is doing, and I'm excited about our fall. I'm excited about the whole thing, but, man, fall's a good time. And so let's be involved with finding what God wants in our life, but let's be involved in in what God's doing here now. You're not going to find God's vision for your life going forward if you're not fulfilling what God wants you to do now. Right? Well, I'm just going to do my own thing, and God will drop it on me. No, He won't. God gives it to you as you're serving Him now. And so let's be excited, and let's take advantage of this opportunity. Let's stand together, if we may. We'll pray together here in a minute, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you for being faithful, looking forward to a great fall, and I hope some of these things were were helpful to you. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for the folks that are here, our wonderful church family. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to look, to fulfill your vision of reaching our city, our community, our state, our country, and our world, and also reaching our young people, the next generation. May you help us to fulfill your purpose in a tangible way. Bless us now as we go our way until we meet together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.